So we are on lesson number 10 of the spring quarter, and the title of the lesson is The Fall of Babylon. So we have gone through all of the judgments, the 21 judgments, and this is an interlude here with more information about Babylon, which is destined to be the world capital in the tri tribulation period. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the scriptures we're covering today are Revelation chapter 17 and 18. So, the first section is, section A, the woman seated on the beast. And that is Revelation 17, verses 1 through 6. And how about, I'll read that to start us off. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Okay. So, symbols. Okay, we're dealing with symbols here. Verse 1, we're told that one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. So this angel has poured out a bowl of wrath on the earth and now he is coming to speak with John and give more information about Babylon. And Babylon is uh, two things here. Number one, it is a system, a system of religion. And number two, it is a system of political power. And you know, it's like Wall Street. Wall Street is a geographic place in New York City, Wall Street, but it's also represents a system, the system of capitalism, basically, you know, Wall Street. And so the Babylon is kind of the same situation here. So he will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. So um, harlotry in the Bible almost routinely refers to false religion. Okay, false religion God sees as harlotry because it is unfaithfulness to him. We'll talk about that more in the sermon today. This is from Ezekiel chapter 16. And verse 20, this is God speaking. Moreover, you took your sons and daughters whom you had born to me and sacrificed them to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. 
So uh, false religion leads to horrific sin. You know, they were offering their children uh, to Molech. That's the one we know about that, that they did this for. And uh, you know, the, our modern day parallel is abortion, and children are offered up to the god of convenience in uh, the modern day, which is Molech. It's the same thing. <laughs> but anyway, because children are work. And if you don't want to do the work, then you offer them up to the God of convenience. So uh, verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of hurt immorality. So false religion is associated with immorality. Here, the rulers were involved in this, and we saw this back in Revelation 2 which is in the church age. Revelation 2 was the letters of Jesus to the churches. And it's to the church of Thyatira. Verse 20, But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols. You know, false gods have no demands on us, and they allow us to indulge our sin nature. And, uh, you know, false religion has no qualms with doing that because it is backed by de demonic activity. And so um, you know, false religion is always uh, tends to be associated with immorality. And then verse 3 and he, the angel, carried me, John, away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. So here we see two symbols, one a woman and the other the beast. And now we have seen the beast before. That was in Revelation 13. And, and get, get everybody lost. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So anyway, uh, in Revelation 13, and verse 1, we saw the dragon stand. Now the dragon is interpreted for us in chapter 12 as Satan. He stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. This is the same... Uh, entity or person here. And notice that the woman is sitting on him. So, yes. Yes, that's right. It's a scarlet beast. Yeah, so it gives a little more uh, detail uh, relating to the beast. And uh, so, um, um, usually, you know, when you see immorality, it is related to errant sexual practices, perverted sexual practices, uh, ungodly sexual practices. So it seems that at the beginning of the tribulation period, the beast may have uh, some control over the Antichrist, some influence over the Antichrist, because we see here that the woman is sitting on the beast. It is in a position of supremacy. And, you know, the religious system, well, let's look at verse 4. 
The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup. So, so far she looks great, right? She looks awesome. She's very well clothed. She has pearls and gold. She looks lovely. And she has a gold cup, but inside the cup are abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. So inside she is rotted. She looks good. She looks good. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, Jesus talked about this sort of thing back in Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. And this he was directing to the Pharisees who looked very good. They looked good on the outside. And he says, verses 27 and 28, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We saw something similar back in Ezekiel chapter 8. This is the spirit was taking Ezekiel to Jerusalem and showing him what was going on in the temple there. And it says, Then he brought me to the entrance of the court of the temple, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. He said to me, Son of man, now dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall, and behold, an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations that they are committing here. So I entered and looked, and behold, every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable things and all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the wall all around. Okay, so this is not, not new. This sort of thing is not new. But this woman, I would say, is probably the religion that Oprah Win Winfrey promotes. Oprah Winfrey is a great theologian. Yes, and that's what she promotes. She promotes that all paths lead to God. And so, you know, Christianity will be thrown in. Um, it's not true Christianity. But uh, also, you know, over in, I think it's Dubai, they built a place with three large buildings, one for all of the Abrahamic faiths. So there's one for Islam, there's one for Judaism, there's one for Christianity. Um, and uh, you know, Islam and Judaism have symbols on them, Christianity doesn't. It doesn't have a cross. And so, you know, Christianity without the cross, basically, is what it is. And so this is New Age religion. New Age religion. It's, it's the... Uh, Bumper sticker, coexist. That is the New Age religion that is coming. And it will, uh, early on, will tend to control the Antichrist. He will promote it. And, you know, he will be aligned with it. But then in verse 5 it says, And on her forehead the woman, a name was written, A mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. So this is a clue here of where false religion comes from. And that's the handout I gave you. 
we have this is uh, probably the best book on this is by a guy named Alexander Hislop. This was a book written back in the 1800s, late 1800s. And he did a study on, um, the title of the book is The Two Babylons. And, uh, you know, there was a, there is a myth that Nimrod, remember Nimrod? We talked about Nimrod, who was the promoter of Babel, the Tower of Babel. His name means to rebel, Nimrod. And uh, he married someone named Semiramis. They had a son named Tammuz. And the story goes that Tammuz was killed by some kind of wild beast and then rose from the dead by some kind of satanic power. And so the mother-child cult started in Babel, worshipping Semiramis and Tammuz. And when God confused the language languages of Babel, and nobody could talk to each other, and they split, they took this false religion with them worldwide. So it is the mother of harlots. It is the origination of harlots. And here it gives a list of different countries and the um, mother and son for each one that they would worship. You know, Egypt has Isis and Osiris. Assyria has Ishtar and Bacchus. India has Isi and Iswara. Asia, Cybele and Diasius. Greece, Aphrodite, and Eris, Rome, Venus, and Cupid, Babylon, Rhea, and Zoroaster, and Phoenicia, Ashtoreth, and Tammuz. And Judah, just before they were conquered by Babylon, were, was worship, worshiping Ashtoreth and Tammuz. Also. Yeah, so, and, and Alexander Hislop's uh, argument was that. Uh, the Madonna and the Christ Child are part of this. Because the Catholics pray to who? If you sin, do 1,600 Hail Marys. So they pray to Mary. Mary would never have wanted that. You know, Mary glorified the Lord and said that she was a sinner in her Magnificat. And so this is the this thing that happened in Babylon is the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And it is back in Babylon now, in the tribulation period. The other thing that um, religion does, devoid of the spirit, is that it attacks the true believers. It always attacks and persecutes the true believers. That's what the Roman Catholic Church did to the Protestants. False religion always attacks true religion. That's The Pharisees killed Jesus. They were not secularists. They were religious people. And it was a false religion. And they attacked the Messiah and killed him. <laughs> you know, because false religion is satanic. So anyway, so verse 6, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. So, this false religion that Oprah Winfrey promotes is dangerous. Okay, next section is section B, the significance of the vision. 
And that is that last sentence of verse 6 through verse 18. Is anybody up to reading that? Uh, end of verse 6 through verse 18. Okay, thank you. Now the great city they're talking about here is Babylon. Babylon, Babylon will rise again. Babylon will rise again. And so, <clears throat> you know, a lot of interpreters ignore verse 18. That the woman which you saw is a great city. It's a city. It's Babylon. This is where the headquarters of this world religion will be. It is where the Antichrist's uh, capital will be over the world. And uh, and it is a city, but it is also this uh, religious system. So in verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. That's kind of confusing. And those who dwell on the earth whose name have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. So this speaks of, we saw this in chapter 13, the Antichrist's death by a head wound and his resurrection. Okay? He was, he is not, he's dead, he's about to come, he will rise. Yeah, that is the... That Jerusalem is the greatest city, but in this context, we're talking about Babylon here. But and and the devil will have his day. He'll have his day. It'll be short, short-lived. Yeah, it'll be short-lived and it'll be brutal. But he will have his day. The Lord will give him his day. And uh, and it says, "Those who dwell on the earth whose name have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder." When, the see, when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come, of course they'll wonder if you watch somebody rise from the dead. Yeah. So, you know, people who are unsaved and don't know what's going on, when they see this, how can you blame them that they will say, oh my gosh, you know, and they'll be fooled. It'll be a deception, terrible deception. And they will follow him. And they will not only follow him, they will worship him. So verse 9, here is the mind which has wisdom. Okay, here's where we get into some interpretation. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and, so simultaneously, they are seven kings. Okay, so I talked about this before, you know, the quarterly, again, in its, in its allegorization of things, uh, says this: these seven heads, is because it uses the phrase seven mountains, it says they're the seven hills of Rome. That is not true. That is not true. What this is, is the seven mountains are the seven kingdoms which were ruled by the seven kings. And, and we've gone over those before. The, the first one was Egypt, kingdom ruled by Pharaoh. The next was Assyria. Okay, and on and on, you know, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, etc., up to Rome. They all are kingdoms, which are the mountains, and they are kings, which are the leaders of those kingdoms. So it says five have fallen up to that time, because at the time of this writing, Rome is in power. So that's the one that is. It says one is 
the other has not yet come, and the one that has not yet come is the revived Roman Empire, the Antichrist. And when he comes, the, the Antichrist and his revived Roman Empire, he must remain a little while. Okay, so he, he will have a very powerful kingdom that will last a little while. Then verse 11 says, the beast which was and is not. So he, he was there, he was in power, he was killed. Is also an eighth, because he comes back. Okay? I mean, this, this drives you crazy unless you understand of the death and resurrection of the Antichrist. When you understand the death and resurrection of the Antichrist, this falls into place. So, he's an eighth when he comes back to life, and he's one of the seven because he's one of the uh, brutalizers of Israel in the times of the Gentiles. He is the last ruler of the times of the Gentiles. So, um, and he goes to destruction. And he goes to destruction in chapter 20 of Revelation. That is when the beast is the first one to inhabit the lake of fire, even before the devil. The beast and the false prophet go into the lake of fire first, and they stay there alone. Well, I guess they have each other for company. For a thousand years, and then the devil will join them. Yeah, you know, people talk about hell and like the devil is going to be doing stuff to you. The devil is one of the prisoners with you. The devil is being tortured at the very pit, the very bottom of the lake of fire, right along beside you if you're in hell. He is not in charge of you. He's not over you. He is a prisoner being tormented along with you. And he's being tormented worse than you are. Yeah, I would say this. He's, 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 Hitler that's right. Yeah, Hitler is probably far above the devil, as yes. far as as yeah. uh, less torment. The devil will have the most torment of all. So then verses 12 and 13, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. And the, these now are the leaders of the ten regions of the earth. You know, our President Joe Biden wants to be reelected. And he says the reason he wants to be reelected is to finish the job. Have you, ha have you seen his campaign through? He says he, he doesn't talk about policies, but he talks about finishing the job. Barack Obama started, well, long before that, they started the job. But the job is to reduce the United States so that it is a compliant and obedient uh, member of the globalist community and to become a, one of the regions on earth that is controlled not by the people, not by a democracy, but by some transnational ruler, a one-world government. That is the job Joe Biden wants to finish. And probably, he, that's just being put in his mouth, but the people who control him want this. They want a globalist government. They want the United States to be part of it. 
And that's why the Constitution must be destroyed. And that's why our border must be erased. This is all part of... That's right. This is all part of the globalist push. And, uh, you know, when they people say that they're, that they're stupid, they're not stupid. They're doing this purposefully, yeah, to bring the United States down. And actually, I, I just learned at the end of the World Health Organization is going to meet, put into place things to, be, to uh, dictate health measures. And one of those will include a digital ID for all people of the world. Well, that itself won't be reproduced, but it will be leading to it. And the United States, through a law passed back in December 23rd of 2022, passed the National Defense Authorization Act. And there's language in that article, which I'm sure it's thousands of pages, that says that if the World Health Organization, because the Biden administration put forward these amendments to do this, he says that if the World Health Organization accepts these, we pre-authorize it. The United States will go under the World Health Organization for health matters. And so we will give our sovereignty away to this World Health Organization, which no one can elect people for. They just tell you what to do. You don't know who they are. You can't recall them by election because they're not in the United States. It's, it's become, you know, it's, we're moving that way. And uh, yeah, COVID is the practice run. So anyway, there is a, uh, did I bring it? I didn't bring it. There's a, there's a bill. This is happening in two weeks. But there's a bill in Congress proposed by Andy Biggs from Arizona. It's called H.R. 79. And it is to remove us from the World Health Organization. That's the only way we could get out of this. Because we've already pre-approved it for them. The only way we could get out of this is to remove ourselves. Who do we call? I have a number. I will try to give it to you by memory. 911. No. no, it's 202. 212. 312. And that is supposed to give you a line to both the Senate and the House representatives to tell them to support House Resolution 79, H.R. 79, sponsored by Andy Biggs. Oh, okay. Because that will take us out of the World Health Organization. You know, Trump wanted to get us out, and he was moving to get us out of the World Health Organization, and if he had won re-election, we would be out. Yes. No, um, the, he is controlled by globalists. He's a puppet. Yeah, and, and so it's... He just smiles and says, I'm president. Yeah. That's all you know, that. he's sold his soul for this. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they are not stupid. They are... So, anyway, um, you know, it's a little it's a little disconcerting. And, you know, I think uh, in, the, in the short term, Biden might be right. Nobody can get him. But the Lord will get him. Yeah.
Yeah. yeah, he's not getting away with anything. No, he, he won't get away with anything. Yeah, he's a, and we don't want that to happen to Joe Biden because no, no one we want him to turn to from that. So anyway, these ten horns are going to be the heads of the ten regions. They receive authority as kings of the beast for one hour, so a very short period of time. And they have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And so, you know, there will be ten regions, and they will um, voluntarily give their power to control their region to the Antichrist. So the Antichrist will be able to control all of the world. Let's see, how far am I supposed to go? Oh, yeah, to 18. And so these will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome him, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called, the chosen, and faithful. So that is a verse that looks forward to chapter 19. In chapter 19, the Lord will win the war without fighting. And then verse 15, And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So that phrase with four things, peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, always means worldwide influence. So the harlot, which is this false religious system, is going to be worldwide in the last days tribulation. Now chapter 17 and verse 15. Now verse 16. And the ten horns which you saw, and the beast, these will hate the harlot. Okay, so remember at the beginning of the chapter, the harlot was sitting on the beast. Well, the beast is pretty arrogant. And the beast doesn't like it. And something is trying to control him, trying to, you know, tell him things, what to do. So the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. So in verse 16, the beast will hate the religious system. He will turn and destroy her. And I think this probably happens when he dies and he is raised and he is possessed by Satan. That's at the midpoint of the tribulation period. Because that's when he says, worship me, I am God. And so when he says that, then this idea that all things lead to God, he's not going to tolerate that anymore. He says, you worship me the way I want you to. <laughs> and he will destroy this religious system. And he will destroy the, uh, you know, the city is burned. Babylon is burned now. And when Babylon was conquered back in uh, whatever it was, I can't, I don't remember the year exactly, but um, Belshazzar was the king. You know, it was taken by stealth. They came underneath through the water under a bridge or something, and they came in by night and they took over the city. And Belshazzar was executed and they installed their king, which was Darius, I believe. And, and uh, so there was no burning. Of Babylon back then, but here Babylon will be burned. And then it says, For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. So God has put it into their hearts. You know, they're, I mean, this is like God's hardening of Pharaoh's heart. 
Carol had already decided. He'd made his choice. The Lord was just confirming his choice for him. And this is the same thing here. You know, what they're deciding to do is evil. They've made their choice, and now God is confirming it so that his words will come true. And then the last verse, the woman whom you saw is the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. So we want to interpret the Bible as it's written, so we don't want to say it's Rome, which you know, people said for a long, long time, and some, many still do. Um, but I do think it is Babylon. You know, it's uh, it's allegory. I mean, when you say it's, when you read Babylon and you say, okay, this is Rome, that means you've made a choice. You've made a choice that you're not going to listen to God's word. Babylon in the Bible always means Babylon, city of Babylon. Through the centuries, <laughs> through the centuries, when people look at the Bible, they say it means something else other than what it's saying. So we, we don't want to do that. Will we make mistakes? I'm sure we do. I'm sure we make mistakes in looking at everything. Unless there are clues in the text which tells you that this is symbolic, um, you should uh, take it as what it says. And a lot of good people, a lot of good people have done that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think we we have a, an advantage because of the time we live. We live in times where this makes more sense to us than earlier times. You know. You know, back in 1000 AD, they did this, like, what? <laughs> you know? Anyway, that's, I think that we have a better advantage, vantage point. Okay, so section C, the announcement of Babylon's fall, verses 1 through 8. I'll read that. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give back to her double, according to her deeds, in the cup which she has mixed, mix twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. So verse 1, see there it says, After these things I saw another angel, coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. So those who associate with and submit to the Lord are destined for glory, as this angel is. Isn't that nice to know? 
We are destined for glory, as this angel is, and uh, we can cooperate in that. This is First Peter 5, 5 and 6. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, this harlot was pretty proud, didn't she? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. He will exalt you if, you know. And part of that is to be humble before the Lord and, you know, acknowledge that he is the boss. Verse 2, he cried out, this angel, with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. So rejection of God makes a place for evil to dwell. And this place is the headquarters of the Antichrist. <laughs> you know, there's all, I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, evil activity, demonic activity going on in the city at that time. All sorts of it. So verse 3, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her in heaven. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. What that makes me think of is Vegas. Yeah, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right? So you can go there to sin. Yeah, you can go there to sin. And, uh, you know, I've when you remember the Davos meeting in Switzerland, it always happens in winter, in January. Every time it happens, articles come out about the prostitutes that flock to Davos. I mean, prostitutes flock there. You know, high high end prostitutes, because all these wealthy men are there. You know, to and they ply their trade. They're in Davos, Switzerland. And, uh, you know, every year there's articles about this. And I'm sure this Babylon will be very like, very much like that. Morality. Yeah. So verse 4, I heard another voice come from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. There will be believers, probably even in Babylon, in the tribulation period. And this is much like uh, what Jesus said to the Jews in Jerusalem when the temple is going to be desecrated. Jesus says, when you see that, run. Run for the hills. Okay, this is the same thing here. No, the church won't be there. It will be the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And the way the Antichrist will desecrate it is he will put an the statue of himself that's alive there, and you are to worship it. And he will stop sacrifices that the Jews will be doing to God. At that time, the Jews will be doing sacrifices like back in the old days, lambs, goats, and things, cattle, to God, and according to the Mosaic Law. And he, he will be instrumental in allowing them to do that. That's going to be part of his peace treaty. And they will think he's the greatest ever because he's done that. 
But then he'll go back on his word. And he'll stop the sacrifices and he'll tell them to worship him. And they'll say, oh, that happened before. <laughs> that happened back between the Testaments and Antiochus Epiphanes did the same thing. And that, that's when they start to realize he's not the Messiah. <laughs> and they start to wonder, well, who is the Messiah? Oh, that guy we <laughs> crucified back 2,000 years ago, he really was the Messiah. So, uh, so anyway, I have written down here 1 Corinthians 15.33. Oh, I know what it says. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company, yeah. That's First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. So uh, they're they're telling them, and this is an act of mercy, the believers, to get out of Babylon because it's going down. That's just like uh, the angels coming for Lot in Sodom. And then verse 5 says, For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. You know, that's very similar to Genesis 18, 20, and 21. That's where God and the two angels, or Jesus and the two angels, appeared to Abram and said, uh, Maybe I should tell Abram what I'm going to do. And he said, The sin of Sodom has reached me and has become great. Got to check it out. And do something about it. That is mind-boggling. Yeah, you, you know that happened when he talked to Abram at the uh, ratification of the Abrahamic covenant. He said, "Your people will be in Egypt." For, well, he didn't say what nation it was, but they'll be in the nation for four hundred years. They'll come back because the sin of the Amorites is not yet complete. Um, yeah, the Lord gives people a long time to repent. Uh, because he is very patient, and he wants people to repent. He does not like to kill the wicked. Um, but eventually he can't take it anymore. So then, verse 8, For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence, mourning, and famine. She'll be burned with fire. She'll be burned by the ten rulers of the regions that's covering the earth in league with the Antichrist. Okay, so let me just read this last part. The lament over Babylon's fall. This is verse 9, at the end, chapter 18. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city, Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour, their judgment has come. <clears throat> and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. See, this is going to hurt commerce. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every article of ivory and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble, Cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. 
The fruit you long for has gone from you, and all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who is clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And every shipmaster, and every passenger and sailor, and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance, and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads, and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found, not be found any longer. The sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer, and no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer, and the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and of all who have been slain on the earth. So, um, verse 9, some kings lament the destruction, but the ten kings of the regions help in it. So, you know, it says that the kings mourn the destruction of Babylon. So not everybody agrees with, with the Antichrist and what he's done with his ten kings. And the merchants then mourn. The merchants make a lot of money. I saw, I saw you know, this prophecy update where a piece of sand on an island, you know, they've made man-made islands in, near Dubai in the Persian Gulf. And so a piece of sand sold for $34 million with nothing, nothing on it. No, it, it was a plot. It was like a, like a 20,000 feet square or something like that for them to build on. And so, you know, wealth is going to accumulate there in that region. And in uh, Babylon, wealth will accumulate. The uber-rich will live in that area. Yeah, and then the last thing is the uh, sailors mourn the loss of their livelihood of shipping of all this, all these products going every which way. So heaven rejoices when evil ends. Everybody else is crying. Rich people do. That's right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this uh, glimpse of the destruction of the evil capital here. And uh, we just pray that we would all these people were mourning because uh, temporary things have gone away. So we pray that you'd help us to put our, emphasize the eternal things, which are your word and people. Those two things are eternal. So help us to concentrate on those two things. In Jesus' name, amen.